Life uh, finds a way. Hold on to your butts, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this avian, ancient, and absolutely Mesozoic episode of the Is What Podcast. My name is Michael Graham, and I am here to talk to you a little bit today about dinosaurs. Now, before I get going on this topic, please do me a favor. Don't move too fast, because then I won't be able to see you. But if you don't mind, like this video, subscribe to the page. Go check me out on Instagram at iswhatpodcast, I-S-W-U-T-T podcast. Facebook.com slash iswhatpodcast and anchor.fm slash iswhat if you decide you like what we're doing and you want to give a little bit of a donation to the show so that way I can continue on a weekly basis to get some better quality materials, you know, get a better setup so that way I can ultimately provide the best content for you, the listener and viewer and person who's enjoying the is what content. So I want to talk a little bit about dinosaurs today. And the reason I, I want to do this is because on June 1st is National Dinosaur Day. And dinosaurs are something that I have long long enjoyed and loved in my life. Ever since I was a little kid, I first saw the movie Jurassic Park when I was probably honestly far too young for my parents to actually show me that movie because um, I do know a lot of kids that were roughly in my in my age range definitely had nightmares because of, of how frightening the dinosaur picturesque, you know, what it was that they were doing. They were hunting down these people in these remote forests of Costa Rica, Ila... Muerte, what is it, Ila, Ila Nublar is one of them. So anyways, ever since I was a little kid and I saw Jurassic Park, I was just always absolutely fascinated with dinosaurs and I always wanted to learn more and I, I kind of always envisioned myself being in the age of the dinosaurs and kind of running and hiding from these big T-Rexes that are always chasing you. And because of that, I've always my fascination has always been there. I rewatch the movies almost every single year reread the book almost every single year. Michael Crichton did a fantastic job. Um, you know, tons of fun just enjoying that story arc. Um, I know that we have just a few more weeks until, what is it now, the sixth Jurassic Park movie is coming out. So, of course, naturally, the dino boy here, me, I'm going to go see that opening weekend. In fact, when I was in, I want to say I was in seventh grade, I was tasked to do a to do a report on who I thought was the most influential scientist of all time. Now, of course, you have people that are talking Isaac Newton. You have people that are going to be talking, you know, Nikola Tesla, all of these different individuals. And I chose my personal scientific hero, a gentleman by the name of Professor Jack Horner, who works up in Montana and is one of the leading um, dinosaur researchers. He's one of the people who's found the most uh, complete and incomplete Tyrannosaurus Rex bones and fossils that are in skeleton sets that are there from Southern Montana. So I've just always had a love of dinosaurs. I thought it would just be a heck of a lot of fun to 
talk about dinosaurs, talk about some of the, the history of the dinosaurs, talk about some fun dino facts. And then, you know, the thing I wanna, I wanna end out on is could Jurassic Park be a real thing? Could it possibly? Who knows? But I'm going to go take this, this T-Rex head off because my, my head's burning. I'm sweating here. We will be back very, very shortly with the As Well podcast, and we'll hop right into everything that there is to know about dinosaurs. Ha, 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 All right. So I've returned back from my... How are we looking? All right. So now that I got the uh, the dino the dino head on anymore, I did want to wear this hat, made by a company called Kangol, which is very much famous for Samuel Jackson wearing Kangol hats, who also happens to star in the original Jurassic Park movie. With one of the greatest lines of all time, is when he turns around and he sees that they're going to have a a big old storm. He just goes, "Hold on to your butt." And kind of get the cigarette. Hold on your butt. It's great. It's great. I love it. Uh, one of my one of my greatest lines in movie history. Jurassic Park is chock full of them. Once again, we'll get to the, a little bit of the the Jurassic Park stuff in not too long here, but I do want to go over some information about dinosaurs. You already know that I love them. What do I know about them? What is there to know about dinosaurs? I think one of the things that we need to think about is the timeline in which they actually lived. I think everybody is always very, very, very much thinking. You hear the the term all the time. 65 million years ago, dinosaurs roamed the earth and ruled the land and all of this. The truth of the matter is it's not actually just 65 million years ago. It was 250 million through 65 million years ago is really how you break down the the reign of the dinosaurs. So there's three distinct broken down periods, uh, which collectively is known as the Mesozoic era. But inside the Mesozoic era, you have the Triassic, the Jurassic, and the Cretaceous. And even though a majority of the dinosaurs that were actually in the Jurassic Park movie came from the Cretaceous period. I think Jurassic Park compared to Cretaceous Park, it has a little bit um, more of a, a ring to it. So good work on choosing Jurassic Park and not Cretaceous Park. But let's start with the Triassic period, which was 25 million to 199 million years ago. So it was really like the first of the three of the different time periods that dinosaurs really started in. And prior to the Mesozoic era, there was a really large kind of like a mass die out on earth. And there's been a lot of speculation with scientists over what actually caused that. But what we do know is that once we hit the Mesozoic era, life uh, found a way. If you understand what I'm saying from Dr. Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park, in fact, so 251 to 199 million years ago, this is really when dinosaurs kind of rose up and began to become the dominant species that they were across the globe. And one, one thing that you have to think about is the actual earth itself at this time was significantly more warm than it is today. And because of the actual composition of the atmosphere, that allowed for these creatures to grow into the size that they actually did. Right now, I think, you know, when you think about elephants, yeah, elephants are big, but they are not 100 feet long, potentially. 
you know, they're not 40 feet tall. They're not the same size profile as you can get on some of the largest dinosaurs that we had. And a lot of that is strictly because the Earth's composition was different. And at the time in the Triassic period, all of the the continents were really clumped together in what we know as Pangaea. And as the, the Triassic period kind of continues to go on, start to separate out, but some of the earliest known mammals also were discovered that came from the mid-Triassic period. So there's these little baby animals and mammals that were running around that actually survived with the dinosaurs. So you can imagine you have like little rat type creatures or what have you scurrying around and digging holes and just, you know, being lucky to survive at that point. But there were indeed mammals running around with dinosaurs during the Triassic period. And some of the earliest dinosaurs that we found that were in fact confirmed to be dinosaurs was about 230 million years ago, which is a very, very, very long time ago. And some of the, the dinos that came up during the Triassic period, it, they're not necessarily the most common dinosaurs that we know about here today. They're not the coolest. They're not, you know, like that the most sleek and sexy and fun to talk about and unique because this is where they were really just coming into their own. You didn't see a whole lot of diversification amongst these dinosaurs because they were really just kind of coming into what they would eventually be. And over the next, you know, millions and millions of years is where we're going to see the evolution actually branch off and for these dinosaurs to become a little bit more unique. By the time we get to the end of the Cretaceous period, the third period of the Mesozoic era, that's where you get to see a lot of really unique and interesting dinosaurs. So some of the most common dinosaurs that we can talk about from the Triassic period, I'm going to go through this list and odds are most of you guys have never heard of these dinosaurs that I'm going to list compared to where the list is going to be a little bit later once we finish the, uh, the next two eras. So check this out. So we have Eoraptor. Might be familiar with the term raptor, but Eoraptor most people don't know of is one of the very first discovered raptors that slowly but surely once again became that Utah raptor, the Velociraptor, the raptors that we know and love. Now, after the Eoraptor, we have uh, Gojirosaurus, which is Godzilla lizard, dope name, and the most Italian of all dinosaurs, Paisanosaurus. Love it. Love Paisanosaurus. And this is also... In the Triassic period is also when the pterosaurs started to evolve. So we had the flying dinosaurs, but even though they're not technically dinosaurs, the flying creatures that pterodactyls and the pterosaurs that we kind of all lump them together is when they also started to evolve in the Triassic period. Following Triassic, then we're going to jump right into the Jurassic period, which is 199 million to 146 million years ago. And this is when the Earth's tectonic plates were not just clumped together like they were with Pangaea. Now they're actually starting to separate out into kind of a northern and southern um, continent there. So you would have what we've got, the north was called Laurasia, and then Gondwana was directly under that. And with that, then you started to see very shallow, small seas, large lakes becoming formed on those uh, two different continents. And because of that, because of the changing tectonic plate structure in the earth, the small seas were forming, and that really began to shift the dinosaurs into the more recognizable 
forms that we had today instead of just kind of what we would call dinosaur be terrible lizards just lizards cruising around they really broke into two unique different structures you had your sauropods which were long neck dinosaurs is what i i kind of always think as a kid just long neck so long neck big hulking body very long tail plant eater walked on all fours small little head up top typically had the brain the size of a tennis ball so those are the sauropods and then the next kind of grouping would be the theropods and that's what we think more as the upright meat eater dinosaurs that have arms kind of walk on two not four legs sharp teeth you know bigger heads shorter necks um so you know some examples of each is if we were to go sauropods you'd think of apatosaurus diplodocus brachiosaurus brontosaurus the the, the sauruses really like the the big long meat-eating dinosaurs once again going back to jurassic park or i'm sorry uh, plant-eating dinosaurs if you've seen jurassic park there is a, a very fun scene where three of the characters are up on the top of the tree and they get this big plant-eating dinosaur that shows up and kind of cranes its neck and is looking directly at them and then just sneezes right all over the girl. And it was just such a gross, so gross, but it was very funny, don't get me wrong. So those are some of the sauropods and the theropods that started to show up, the meat eaters during the Jurassic period. You have Allosaurus. I always say Allosaurus. When I first learned of Allosaurus as a kid, I always said, think of it as a little bit of a smaller T-Rex, but it had longer arms, like physically smaller overall with longer arms. So you have Allosaurus, Ceratosaurus, Dilophosaurus, Megalosaurus, all of these meat eaters. And that that is really what you had in the Jurassic period is where you started to see kind of that separation. And of course, there's going to be some level of unique dinosaurs that don't necessarily fall into the long necks or the meat eaters. We'll get to some of those in a moment because that's where they really became prevalent was in the third and final of the three eras. And this would be the Cretaceous period. And this is going to be from 146 million to 65 million years ago. So when you think dinosaurs all existed 65 million years ago, the truth of the matter is they did not. There was a very long period of time. 65 million was just when they massively died out. So in the Cretaceous period, you had the earth being even more warm than it was in the Triassic, in the Jurassic, and the continents started at this point to shift and break off into the continents that we have today. So it went from Pangaea, so one major continent into two, and now starting to break off into four or five continents over this um, period of time. And this is really, really where we got to see these dinosaurs become much more unique because they're they're broken off geographies from each other. So with these, once again, mammals were still around. They were still cruising, you know, broke, and they evolved into a couple different categories of mammals. And eventually the mammals that became humans were there. And then, now granted, not walking upright or anything, but mammals that eventually became humans, totally good. Um, you know, contents drift apart. We see some really unique dinosaurs. And I have a list of some of the most fun dinosaurs and unique dinosaurs that we saw in this time. So, of course, we have our T-Rex. Naturally, I think when everybody thinks of T-Rex, that's kind of like the dinosaur of all dinosaurs, right? Uh, we have what I like to think is the the butler of all dinosaurs uh, by the name of Albert Osaurus. I can always just imagine the T-Rex being, hmm, Albert Osaurus, please go get me my tea. Swing and a miss. Uh, of course, Carnotaurus, which is personally my all-time favorite dinosaur. 
It's Carnotaurus. It's if you think of Carnotaurus as like a smaller, once again, smaller T Rex, but it has two little horns, which is really cool. Really like Carnotaurus. Uh, Compsignathus, which is the Compies. If you are familiar with Jurassic Park, Compies definitely in the books and in some of the movies they play a pretty heavy part. But they're very small time little chicken sized dinosaurs. Uh, of course, we have the Triceratops, Iguanodon, Spinosaurus, Gallimimus, Ankylosaurus, and last but very not least, Raptors, Raptors, Raptors are all from the Cretaceous period from about 146 million to about 65 million years ago. So there's a multi-million year timeline that these, these dinosaurs had to evolve and change what they physically looked like. And they didn't necessarily fall into the category of just sauropod or theropod. They could kind of break off and become some of the more unique and, and cool and fun and exciting and awesome dinosaurs that we knew today. So now we have some of those. That's kind of like the, just the base timeline. And of course, at the end of 65 million years, in the Yucatan Peninsula, you had a massive object hurtle down towards Earth and strike right on the kind of the top left corner of the Yucatan, which very much is the reason that dinosaurs are not here today was because they had this meteor come and strike Earth and kind of take out all of the dinosaurs. And if you think about how frightening that must have been even though I'm, I'm not too sure the dinosaurs really could recognize and understand what was going on i think they were just kind of like hey i'm here oh i'm dead i, I don't think they really knew like if we knew that there was going to be like a giant meteor that was going to come hit the earth it would be all over the news we would talk about it speculate we would freak out obviously dinosaurs didn't have twitter they're not sitting there tweeting out oh dude lol large uh, meteor coming on in man i could see it coming through snapping photos no they're not doing that but if you actually think about what would have been happening is you have these dinosaurs that are just sitting there grazing or maybe they're flying around or they're cruising. As soon as this meteor comes and hits the earth, there is going to be a handful of things that go on as one. You're going to have a massive tsunami that's going to be hitting. You're going to be having this great huge cloud of fire and things falling from the sky, these rocks that are just hurtling down. And I can just even imagine if you're a pterosaur, one of the largest pterosaurs flying animals of all time is called the Quetzalcoatlus. They were saying that this thing was like the size of a, a current giraffe just while it's just standing there. But its wingspan is going to be even greater than that of a school bus. So huge creature just flying around. And as you know, you know, you, you need wings in order to kind of create that lift to make sure that you can stay floating. So just imagine as soon as this meteor hits and there's a huge council quad, just flying around. Then these pieces of molten rock just start flying and flying and cutting holes in its wing. And before you know it, you're going down like power windows, baby, you know, and it's, it's just, it seems like it would be something that's very, very frightening. And fortunately mammals were able to make it out of there. Just these small little creatures and there were, there were select few kind of avian dinosaurs, non-avian dinosaurs that were able to make it out of that almost life-ending experience. And because of that, now we're here. So that's, it's kind of a wild ending. But at the same time, we can talk about some fun dino facts. You know, break it up a little bit. Let's get a little bit more light here. Uh, so one thing I do want to talk about when it comes to some fun dinosaur facts, some information around the dinos, is the, so the Velociraptor is actually not the, like, big 
raptor that we think of from the Jurassic Park movies. What we're actually thinking of when we are thinking of the Jurassic Park movies, the Velociraptor is actually called the Utah Raptor in real life. The Velociraptor itself was a much smaller, almost like turkey-sized dinosaur, but they switched up the naming of it strictly because, obviously, Velociraptor sounds a hell of a lot more cool than a Utah Raptor. And I know Utah's great. They have wonderful mountain ranges and Salt Lake and all of this stuff. But for some reason, it's not going to strike the fear into my heart if somebody were to say Utah Raptor compared to Velociraptor. I'm going to say Velociraptor all day. So, you know, Michael Crichton, good work on renaming that for the book, for the movies, and following along. Uh, next thing was the T-Rex has a bite that is double the strength of the bite of a modern-day lion. But with that being said, the T-Rex does not have the strongest bite of all. The strongest bite of all was actually a, a huge prehistoric crocodilian character called a Deinonychus. And the Deinonychus actually has the strongest bite out of any known creature from that period. So I can just imagine how gnarly that would be. Massive crocodile chasing you only to bite you in half. No, no, I'm good. Miss me on that. And by the way, I, I do want to say that I am incredibly pleased that the earth that we live on right now, we do not have predators the size of the predators then. That would, I don't think humans would have lasted very long if that was the case. The longest name in the world of dinosaurs, obviously whenever you're reading any type of a dinosaur book or pamphlet or magazine or article or anything, you always have like what you call the dinosaur and then you always have the scientific name to it. And oftentimes people just glance over the scientific name because it's not one, something they're going to remember. And two, good luck getting me to pronounce that properly without looking like an idiot in front of someone who might be a little bit more educated on the topic. Uh, but the longest name in the world of dinosaurs is, and I'm going to get this, Micropachycephalosaurus. Micropachycephalosaurus is the longest name in the world of dinosaurs. Not only the longest name, also pretty fun one to say. If I can, if I can remember Micropachycephalosaurus, imagine just being out and talking to someone about dinosaurs and just dropping that name real quick. They're gonna go fucking nuts. They're gonna be like, "This person is a damn genius." And the truth of the matter is, no, I just remembered Micropachycephalosaurus. So I have to try that a couple times. We'll get there eventually. But I, I don't think dinosaurs were necessarily known to be incredibly smart. One of the things I did mention up um, a little bit earlier was that, you know, these giant uh, long-necked dinosaurs, they have the brains that are the size of, uh, like, these tennis balls, right? Not a bowling ball, just a small tennis ball, like a baseball. So it's not really going to be the smartest creature on the planet. Well, maybe it actually would be the smartest creature on the planet at that time, but not in historical, like, for history, right? Um, but the smallest brain-to-body ratio of any dinosaur is actually the Stegosaurus. So we all know the Stegosaurus, and it has plates on the back, and it has, like, the spikes on the tail. Uh, apparently, that is the dumbest dinosaur in history. Sorry, 
dumb dino. Um, yeah, we'll move along. Next, we got some of the differences. I wanted to talk about the differences between the Jurassic Park dinosaurs and what they were actually like in real life. Because I know one of one of the the dinosaurs that was in Jurassic Park that got a lot of changes really turned um, the the science world angry because of the changes and all of the liberties that they took uh, with this dinosaur. So we'll get to that. But first, I want to talk right up off the top about the T-Rex. T-Rex, so cool. Everybody knows T-Rex. However, if you think of the T-Rex that we know in the Jurassic Park world, what we when you think and paint the picture, you have this 20 to 25 foot tall, scaly creature with big, strong legs, a long tail, small little dinky arms, and massive jaws, rows of these teeth that are like, you know, the size of a, I don't even know, like a, like a butcher's knife, huge teeth, just ready to rip you apart, looking incredibly intimidating, roaring at you, sprinting at you, chasing you. But in reality, it is more likely that the T-Rex didn't have that like green and brown and gray scaly look to it. I'm going to read a quote from one of the leading T-Rex scientists in the world who I mentioned previously. I did a report on this gentleman when I was in junior high school, Jack Horner. And he says, quote, it's possible that the T-Rex had feathers, pink feathers and danced in funny patterns to try to attract mates end quote. So when we think about those videos of the little birds kind of jumping around and doing their dance and puffing themselves up in order to attract mates, it's very possible that T-Rex could have been more like a large version of that than what we know from the Jurassic Park movies and what we think about when we think of a T-Rex. I'll let, I'll let that marinate for just a moment. And that will go on to the Velociraptor. So as I had mentioned previously, once again, the Velociraptor in Jurassic Park actually was not a Velociraptor. The Velociraptor that they used the skeletal structure to base that creature on was called the Utah Raptor, which was a much larger, faster, scarier, more aggressive hunting type of a raptor compared to the Velociraptor. The actual Velociraptor itself, probably the size of a turkey, so it's not really going to be something that one of those is going to roll up and, and kill one of a human, a full-grown human, right? Uh, but they use the name Velociraptor instead of Utah Raptor just because of the fact that it did sound much more fearsome. Uh, but also, it is likely that Velociraptors did have feathers and were brightly colored, very similar to the T-Rex. And in fact, the third Jurassic Park movie, there was something that they had done uh, where they had actually used 3D printing to, to attempt to re 3D print and recreate the voice box of a Velociraptor. So they could kind of see like, well, what does it actually sound like? How are they communicating with each other? And eventually it becomes to be a relatively instrumental por portion of that movie is that 3D printed voice box. And that is something that has been attempted, but it was not attempted with the Raptors. Um, that was something I believe Jack Horner said that it was the Iguanodon that they tried to do that with. So 
taking little bits and pieces of dinosaur lore and rolling them into these movies, the Jurassic Park franchise has definitely done that. Um, and now, really, the final that I want to talk about that has gotten the dinosaur scientific world in a positive uproar is a wonderful dinosaur called Dilophosaurus. And in the Jurassic Park movie, we remember Dilophosaurus from being the dinosaur that eats and kills Newman, that has the frills around its neck, you know, big intimidating frills of black and red and yellow and green, and it kind of, you know, frills and it makes this this high-pitching, almost like rattlesnake-esque noise, and it shoots this black tar out of its mouth into the eyes of who is intended to be his victim to then blind and burn and can't figure it all out. And then, you know, you get classic Newman from Jurassic Park, one of the the worst characters, kind of really sets everything off for all these people to die and get hurt. But he gets attacked by this small, uh, this, I, I think that the Dilophosaurus in the movie is probably the size of a large dog, realistically. But it has, once again, the rows of those serrated teeth, and it looks like a dinosaur, sounds like a dinosaur, and eventually kills him and shoots him in the face with this like venomous tar. Uh, the reality is, instead of being like four to five feet long like they showed in the movie, the Dilophosaurus was actually about 20 feet long. So it wasn't just this small little dinosaur. It really was much larger. And I'm not too sure why they decided to make it smaller for the movie. It is what it is. Uh, also, the odds of the Dilophosaurus actually spitting any type of like poison or, or tar or anything in a projectile weighs very, very low. And even though they cannot confirm, there's really never been any evidence of the Dilophosaurus having any type of a neck frill like it has in the movie when it's going on the offensive. So pretty much everything that they built that dinosaur for you to know from the Jurassic Park movie is not true. It's much larger than it actually was portrayed on screen. It didn't actually spit any type of poison, and it didn't have any neck frill. So with that said, they basically just created a brand new dinosaur based on what they thought would terrify us. Uh, but they created a brand new dinosaur for the movie. What about creating actual brand new dinosaurs here today there there was a fantastic ted talk that i had seen years ago that was done by once again jack horner and he had a discussion and he was kind of saying well we need to start to logically think a little bit about the what is the current version of dinosaurs here today and i always kind of came back to the chicken right and of course when he's talking to a group of sixth graders and he says, well, the T-Rex is basically a chicken. You're not really going to get very many oohs and ahs out of that. You're not going to really impress a bunch of kids. Kids want to see big ass dinosaurs that are going around eating people. That's what kids really want to see. Let's get real. So Jack Horner started working with a handful of people in his camp and not only his camp, but at different um, universities and um, you know, different science labs all around the world. And they started looking into what it would actually take to create a dinosaur. Now with based on what we know and how our level of genetics or knowledge of genetics has moved on over the, the past, you know, 50 years or so, 
So one of the things that they were actually working on is looking at the embryonic stages of a chicken when it is actually in the egg. And one of the things that they had noticed is once a chicken is born, it very much has like these chicken wings that we all know. Uh, and you can actually pinpoint the moment in the development of the chicken where it almost has three different, ex like very distinct fingers that then get fused together to become the wing of the chicken. So one of the things that they started doing is introducing a very specific enzyme that would block that unification of those three fingers. So now this chicken has fingers instead of wings. And obviously, if you think about just a chicken with fingers, that doesn't necessarily think make you think about dinosaur. So they started looking at the idea of a tail. And they were just as every so often you will get like a human that's born with a tail because in the actual developmental stages, there is eventually going to be a point where the tail stops growing just like happens with chickens. They can then introduce another enzyme that does not stop that tail from growing and breaking off and it will just continue to grow. So now you have a chicken with a long tail and fingers. The next thing they started to look at was what about the feet? Right, the feet are very prominent when we think about dinosaurs. We don't necessarily think about like web toes or anything. They said, how can we create the feet and turn them into claws? Guess what? They also pinpointed the moment in the creation of this dinosaur while it's in this, or with this, I guess dinosaur now at this point, we're getting close, while it's in the egg to introduce another enzyme, another protein that will then create claws. And the final is they were able to find when to introduce a specific protein inside of this chicken egg to start to give the chicken teeth. So now we go from just the chicken we know to a chicken with teeth, claws, a long tail, and claws on its feet. Uh, it seems like there are no bounds to what we can do. It's just going to take years of research and, and all of that. Uh, how do I feel about that? I don't know, because on one hand, I think, fuck yeah, dude, please make dinosaurs so we can go check them out. The other side of me says, we have made so many movies and books about why that is a bad, bad, bad idea. Where I don't really know. I kind of, I kind of want to just let them have a go for it. Let's see what happens. I, if I was ever to get a phone call and they say, hey, you can come out and we're going to show you the dinosaurs we've been working on. The first thing I would say is, okay, what's the escape plan? We need to get real. What about the escape plan? Where are we located? If there's going to be a big storm that's going to hit the island, how do I get out of there? Can I get out of there safe? Uh, other than that, I would probably go. I, I probably would. But that is dinosaurs. I love dinosaurs. The 1st of June, National Dinosaur Day, just a few months away. I'm, I'm sorry, a few days away, beginning of next month. So I hope everybody here had tons of fun talking about dinosaurs like I did. Big fan. Let me put the uh, the dino helmet back on for you one more time. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. I'll say what's up to that. Rawr.